Dave Kane uh, with a, another episode of A Pastor and His People, and a podcast for the Park Baptist Church where we can kind of encourage each other to walk more faithfully with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, well, today uh, I have with me one of my good friends, uh, Stephen Watson, uh, pastor of Renewal Church uh, in Anderson. Stephen, how are we doing? Hey, Dave. How you doing, brother? Good, good to see you this afternoon. It's so good to see you, brother. Well, hey, before we kind of get started, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself uh, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, you, your family, how you met your wife, children, that sort of thing. Yeah, I pastor a church in Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, it's a six-year-old church plant. We're part of the Pillar Network. That's kind of our relationship with each other, you and I. Uh, my wife and I, we met while I was at Southwestern Seminary out in North Texas. She's a Texas girl. Um, and so while I was doing ministry out there and uh, pursuing seminary degree. We met there. Uh, we're married uh, not long after that, and now we have three kids. I have three teenagers. Uh, a guy who's about to turn 16 next week, a young lady who is 14, and a little boy who's 13. So I got three teenagers in my house all at so the same time. is it true that most teenagers want to have conversations with their parents late at night? Is that a true statement? Hmm. I think that's probably true. Most teenagers just like to be up late at night, right? Okay. Because I, I have my 13-year-old daughter, and she loves having late-night conversations. And I've, I'm an early-to-bed uh, guy, so I'm, I'm stretching yes. my ability to stay up a little bit later. Yes. Um, they like that one-on-one time. They, it gets for them. I guess they like that late night, too, there, right? There we go. Or just an excuse not to go to bed. Um, yeah. That, uh, never, that never changes. Uh, well, how did you, uh, you know, first, how did you come to know the Lord? How did the Lord uh, call you to himself? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, Dave, as I look back on kind of my life, I'm so encouraged by God's grace to me. I uh, grew up going to a small country church here in South Carolina, and my parents, my mom was a believer, but my dad wasn't a believer, but he did go to church. And uh, we had the traditional revival service, a week-long revival, revival service. And I was thinking about this today because of our conversation, that we had a revivalist, uh, a guy who was an evangelist, came in um his name was bull falconberry oh what a great and name. So, yeah and some some of your older church members may actually know him he, he's he, from rock hill east side baptist church right i heard okay. i've heard great things about him okay well he uh he came when i was a kid and was there for a, i guess a week-long revival service at that time and by god's grace god just awakened in faith in me to believe i realized i was in need of a savior i was a sinner and uh the lord just did a great work that one night he was preaching i can't tell you what he was preaching i just remember the spirit of the lord just awakening in my heart a need for christ and so uh that night i i really came to faith in christ that night and was baptized in that church um and grew up right there in that same community that same church uh, what, what town was it uh, that was in 1981. Uh, what, what town? Oh, what town? It's right near Bishopville, South Carolina, okay. kind of in the country between Bishopville and Camden. Gotcha. Well, yeah. so you came to Christ uh, in your early years, and then how did you feel the tug to, to go into full-time ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, my senior year in high school, our pastor would be preaching, and I would just feel the Spirit working in my heart and life and just bring me to tears. I'm a tearful kind of guy anyway. But it would bring me to tears, and, and, and I knew for a fact that I was saved. I had faith in Christ, and I didn't question that at all. But I could not figure out what was going on in my heart and life when I'd hear the word proclaimed. And so 
one Saturday night when I was a senior in high school, I went to our pastor's house and I said, I don't know what God's doing. I, I can't figure this out. I, I just, I read the scriptures. I was reading it, scriptures in my house. And he said, hey, have you ever considered that maybe the Lord's calling you to full-time ministry? And, you know, that was kind of a, that was a new thought for me. I did not think of that. That was not something I, I thought the Lord was doing. And so I graduated from high school, went to the Citadel, uh, went through my freshman year at the Citadel, pretty tough year. Had some ups and downs in my walk with the Lord. But my sophomore year, I was continuing to spend time in the Word and just pursue the Lord. And people would ask me, hey, what, what are you doing when you finish school? I, I just would say, I don't really know. And then one, one afternoon, I can see it really clearly. I was walking in the, the barracks, and I had been praying and thinking and reading Scripture and just wrestling with, what is God doing in my life? And I can remember just, just real clearly saying, the Lord has called me to full-time ministry, and I'm going to start telling people that's what he's called me to. And so it was really a it was really a life changing moment, obviously in a lot of ways. But in that moment, I can still see myself walking in the barracks from my company area to another company area. And from that point forward, I just said to anybody, say, "Hey, what what uh, what are you going to do when you graduate?" I'd say, "You know, I feel like the Lord's called me to pastoral ministry, to ministry in some form." Amen. Now, well, tell us no. your tell us your journey into the ministry. So you 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 graduated college, and then what were some of the next steps? Yeah, some of the next steps were I, I interned with a church in Myrtle Beach uh, as, a, as a summer youth intern and really thought I would end up on staff with FCA or either that church after graduating just to get some experience in ministry because I'd been in military school and had very little access to ministry outside of that. I'd, I'd done an internship at the church I went to in college, but really wanted some more experience. But by God's providence and just through the Lord's leading and sovereignty, I didn't end up on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I didn't end up on staff uh, with that church. And so I ended up back home and uh, I knew that I needed seminary. I knew that I needed to be prepared for ministry. And so uh, while I missed the fall semester, I just decided I'd work hard and just do, I did a lot of odd jobs just to get ready for seminary. I, I put together furniture at a furniture store. I was a groundskeeper in an apartment complex. I helped a guy clean carpet in the afternoons. I, I mean, you name it, I did it during that season of time just to save money in preparation for seminary. And so uh, then the following January, January 97, I, I moved to Fort Worth, Texas and uh, began seminary out in Southwestern. Amen. Uh, so, yeah. you so you finished seminary and then you came back to South Carolina? Yeah, I, uh, during that time, long story short, uh, there's a lot of big pieces here, but by God's hand, I was connected with the South Carolina Baptist Convention, who was looking for a Baptist campus minister for the Citadel, the College of Charleston, and the Methodist University. And so by God's grace, they, uh, they called me to come and serve in Charleston. So Darcy and I spent our first four years of ministry on staff with the South Carolina Baptist Convention as the campus minister at the Medical University the Citadel and the College of Charleston. So I went kind of back to my alma mater to do ministry, to begin ministry, college ministry. Well, you you have been, you know, uh, seem to always be around uh, young people, college students. Yes. Right? Your, your time yes. there at uh, working with BCM, and then even when your time in, you know, Crosspoint Clemson and even Renewal now, it seems like you've been around college students a lot. Why do you love working with college students so much? Yeah, I'm asking a great question. You know, it's funny, Dave, we didn't, it wasn't something we planned. You know, when I was in seminary, I actually served on church staff as a college pastor in seminary too, and then ended up becoming the young adults or young, young professionals pastor too at a pretty good sized church there. We call, those, we, call, we call those the yo pros. 
Yo pros. The yo pros. That's what I do. Yeah. Yo pros and tacos. That's what I like. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, God, God has led us, Darcy and I both to be engaged with the next generation, particularly college students and young adults in a way that I didn't anticipate probably, but I look back on it and think, you know, I probably have a heart for that because my years in college, the Lord really did a good work in my heart and life. I grew a lot as a believer was discipled, was involved in a, a tremendous local church that I really was blessed and learned to study and read and love the word, uh, love the gospel, understood a biblical gospel of God's grace and his love for me. And so I think because of that season in life, God just prepared us for opportunities to really invest in college students. So basically everywhere we've been, we've had some opportunity with the next generation to really pour into them. And we see that as really incredibly valuable and as gospel ministry, right? We're imparting the gospel to the next generation so they can impart it to the next generation. Kind of that second Timothy two, two model of just passing on this wonderful incredible word of Christ that we get to uh, impart to the next generation. It's just a tremendous blessing. right? Uh, our church, Park Baptist church. I think that, um, the impact of our college students radically transformed our culture, right? Yeah. They're hungry for the word. They were hungry to be evangelist, uh, to share the gospel. And I think they're hungry to just have a family and to kind of yes. care for one another. And I think those three things helped change the culture uh, of our church. And uh, by God's grace now, we have college students uh, all over the place and they're continuing to grow. So I'm just, I'm yeah. so abundantly grateful for that. Um, yeah. Now you, uh, we we have a, we're big fans at Park Baptist Church of Generation Link, right? Uh, yeah. Tell us uh, your uh, kind of experience with uh, Generation Link. Yeah, well, you know my my connection really is to Cross Point Church, where I served as a family pastor before planting Renewal. They sent myself and some key leaders out from Cross Point to, with about thirty covenant members to come over to Anderson to plant a church strategically near Anderson University so that we could impact the next generation. And part of that, part of that strategy was really providing a generation link opportunity, an opportunity for college students and college graduates to be connected to the local church, to grow and mature in their own faith, be discipled, live in community, but also pursue some seminary education, theological training as they prepared for ministry. And so that's been our connection. Uh, so at, at Crosspoint, I had opportunity to have some generation link residents who served with me there. And that was tremendous. I mean, tremendous amount of ministry took place by these young adults, young graduates and college students. Um, and so as we came to Anderson, that's something that we wanted to bring with us. And so we've had a great opportunity to connect with a lot of the Anderson University students. Um, and so it's not as large of a ministry as Crosspoint has in Clemson, but because of the university here is smaller, but it's a great opportunity we have to really connect with students and equip them as laborers to carry the gospel um, beyond just their university campus, but wherever God may take them. Some of them may end up being nurses or teachers uh, or whatever, wherever God may lead them. And then others of them really are already called to ministry. you got a clear call to ministry, clear call to missions. And so we're working hard to invest in them, to show them, to model to them a healthy local church, a place where they're plugged in, a place where they're discipled and encouraged and they can grow in Christ. And I think the local church is the best place for that to happen, right? Well, I'm going to come back and ask a, a follow-up question right there. Uh, you hit one of my one of my loves right there. Love me yeah. some local church, but just tell us a little bit about uh, renewal, right? Uh, what's God doing in the season of, of your local body? Yeah, so we we we're June first will be six years old. So we're a six-year-old church plant, um, and so we have had you know our fair share of ups and downs. We're 
we probably uh, we probably have had um, you know a, a tremendous amount of because we, well let me just say this we're a young church so we have college students but also lots of young adults newly married um, and number of folks who are not native Anderson people. They didn't grow up here in Anderson. This is not home for them. So we, we in some ways are a church that's reaching people who are new to Anderson or looking for a place to connect or looking for a place to get home. So we've had a real transient congregation in a lot of ways. College students are coming and going, young professionals are coming and going, that sort of thing. So that's been a little bit of a challenge, but one of the great things for us, like I said earlier, strategically we're planted here to invest in that younger generation. And so we're about six years in, uh, we're sharing a space with another church. So we use our worship time. It's a little unusual, but the space and the facilities are really a tremendous blessing to us. Um, this year, we really crafted and put together kind of our Acts 1-8 strategy that includes opportunities here locally, but also how are we engaged in mission and ministry. Our mission is to make disciples of all people for God's glory. Um, and we keep that in front of our folks all the time. We're always talking about, you know, how do you do that uh, organically as an individual that God's placed here in Anderson? But how do we do that together as a church as well? How do we seek to establish healthy churches? How do we send out people who go and proclaim the gospel? And so the Lord has been good to us. We, we're in a healthy place. Uh, the church is doing well. And so we're excited about kind of what the future looks like and the opportunities we have here in Anderson. Amen. One of the reasons why I love being part of the Pillar Network uh, as, as a church uh, and as a pastor is for, for church and church partnerships, right? Laboring together yeah. with other churches. And uh, we pray for you um, and we want the gospel to f- go forward, obviously, through your ministry uh, because we have the same heart, right? We want to yes. preach the gospel faithfully. We want to shepherd and love our people. We want to disciple and pour into um, the next generations and then send them out all over the world with the gospel of the Lord Christ. So. I have been extremely blessed by you and your ministry in, in my life and just your love uh, for Christ and for his church. Uh, why do you think today uh, there's such a battle of why people should be invested in the local church? It just seems like the local church is not as um, desired to be a part of, especially among the younger generation. Why, why do you think that is? Yeah, you know, it's a hard question because I think it kind of depends on the person, but a lot of it has to do Dave that, you know, particularly our, I, I, I would think that some of our college students and maybe younger generation do not value the church the way maybe previous generations have, and they haven't been taught the value of it, you know? Um, so relationally, I think they, they're coming from broken homes or coming from broken circumstances where it's just made it hard to value the local church uh, for a lot of them. And so that, that's part of it. Um, you know, the other part is, you know, we live in a, we live in a culture and a generation that's so easily distracted or maybe even I would say so easily entertained, you know, and so there's a lot of chasing after the pleasures and, and so students or even young adults haven't learned the value of the local church and haven't been discipled well to say, Hey, this is a place where God's people meet. This is, these are, these are, this is a representation of the kingdom of God. This is where the Lord brings his people together. And so I, I think there's probably been a lack of good teaching and sense of ecclesiology, like the value of the church and what the Bible teaches about God's people. Um, and I find that with our membership classes here at Renewal, that you know a lot of young adults don't have a healthy background of understanding of the church. They have a little bit of a parachurch mentality of kind of go if I want to go. 
if it's something I want to be a part of, I can. But I, I tell our church family here that covenant membership is both a privilege and a responsibility. And so that's that's really important for us to help the next generation see that, boy, there's a lot of privileges and a lot of blessings and, and a lot of grace in the church itself, a means of grace that comes from being a part of the church. But there's also responsibility to one another and to care for one another and encourage one another and to spur each other on. And, and you know, been thinking a lot in these last days about the assembling of the believers and how we are to encourage one another until the day of Christ. We see the day of Christ coming, right? And so I think for some of the young adults, maybe there's a lack of discipleship and just, hey, this is an incredible means of grace God's given to you to help you grow. Uh, not only to know our great God well, but to be more like Christ. And, the, and there's benefits and blessing that comes from being with God's people. I just think they haven't been discipled well to know that or taught well to know that, right? Um, Amen. Amen. So that's some of it. I mean, I know there's a lot. We could we could beat that all day long, but I think there's a lot of different pieces to it. But that's some of it from my perspective. Well, hey, man, I, I would just say, echo a hearty amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, uh, well, what... Um, what are some things that we could be particularly praying for about your your ministry? I know that we're all dealing with uh, the things with with uh, the coronavirus and just the, the, the whether or not to assemble and just the leadership that it takes. That's a huge prayer request. That if you're listening to this, please pray for your pastor uh, and all leaders because it is uh, wearisome to, to think through all the ramifications here. Um, but anything else that we could be praying for you or for your family? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I echo the part about just praying for your pastors and caring well for the church body and, you know, not leaving the care of the church body just to the pastors or just to the deacons or the elders or whoever may be serving the church, but let the church be the church in the sense of caring for one another, encouraging one another, and and really being intentional to reach out and care and check in on one another uh, during the season. You're right. I, I echo to just serving our pastors well, praying by praying for them. You know, Paul, Paul reminds us to pray for him consistently throughout his letters in the new Testament. So man, we should just dedicate ourselves to praying, you know, uh, above and beyond for our pastors and knowing that all of our leaders, praying for all of our leaders who are making difficult and quick decisions with limited information in a, in a time which uh, things are very fluid. So I encourage our folks also to be super generous and super gracious, sorry, to our leaders in the sense of just being gracious and thoughtful and praying for them and knowing that they're making tough choices as best they can, uh, you know, as quickly as they can. But I think for me and for my family, you know, obviously some of the very basic, you know, father of three teenagers, I pray that God would give me grace to be patient, to be wise, to be thoughtful in how I shepherd them and care for them. I pray that God would give me a, a strong marriage. I mean, you can pray for Darcy and I, that we'd love each other well. Uh, and we shepherd our teens well together. Um, you know, the devil would like nothing more than to destroy the homes of pastors, right? And so just pray that God would protect us from sin and from the evil one, and that we would shepherd and care well for our, our kids, the, the disciples that he has put in our home, that we would uh, do well in pointing them to Christ and helping to encourage them to grow in Christ um, and to do that in a gracious and loving way. And for our ministry here, you know, we have a lot of ministry and a lot of young adults. And honestly, sometimes that can be really exhausting. Some of our older <laughs> congregation can be really faithful and, 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 and serve the church well. But sometimes our young pros or young adults can be exhausting in the needs they have because some, many of them don't come from healthy homes or healthy godly homes, right? And so just praying for strength and wisdom and how to uh, manage and balance both my time with my family 
and caring well for our church family um, and trusting the Lord to provide the strength that we need uh, to do that and to carry that on. Ministry of the Word would, would prevail and we continue in prayer in the ministry of the Word, right? Amen. Well, let me yeah. pray. Let me pray for you and uh, for your family and for uh, your church family. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Love you, my friend. Uh, um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, Stephen Watson and just his love for you. It's just so evident how much he loves you and loves your people. Father, I pray that you would give him wisdom as he raises his, his, his children, uh, his teenagers. God, we pray that you would uh, help him shepherd them well, that he, uh, he and Darcy would, would be uh, wise in uh, how they push them and how they uh, let them grow on their own. Uh, Father, we pray that you would just continue to draw those children to a deeper relationship with you. We also just pray that you would uh, bless uh, Stephen's marriage to Darcy, God, that it would be strong and built on your word. Father, I pray that he would love her like Christ loved the church. And I pray for Darcy, that he she would be a great helpmate uh, to Stephen. We pray that the family would be strong in the gospel. We also just thank you for Renewal Church, and it's, it's the gospel witness it is in Anderson. We pray, God, that you would give uh, the elders there wisdom on how to shepherd this younger, young, growing congregation. Father, we pray that you would use them to, um, uh, in, in a profound way, to reach not only that community but for the, the the nations. God, raise these people, young people, up and send them out uh, to carry your good news uh, to the world. So, Father, uh, we we thank you so much for friendship. I thank you for Stephen, my friend. Uh, I thank you for uh, a fellow pastor who shares a similar heart for their people. Uh, God, I pray that you would both make us faithful uh, until you return. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Amen.